Welcome to Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people at Summit Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We gather each week in the heart of St. Paul on historic Summit Avenue, where our mission is to create rhythm, opportunity, and location where people like you can have life-changing experiences with God. Our podcast is one of those locations. As followers of Christ, we are doing our best to be on mission, disciple others, deliver hope, and champion this city. At any point in your journey with us today, if you want to take a next step or you just want to stay in the loop with everything going on at Summit, just grab your phone and simply text the phrase, be known, all one word, be known to the number 651-360-2908. We will send you a short form that makes it super easy for you to complete. There's always new opportunities to mention and new ways that you can get involved. One of the rhythms that is important to following Jesus and important to us at Summit is studying scripture. As we study the Bible, we can have one, hope, two, find guidance, three, be corrected, and four, receive truth into our lives. Listen in and lean in with us wherever you are, open up God's word, and hear this week's message. So when Pastor Eric approached me and Chris Jum about doing a tag team sermon. I'm like, awesome. Let's get a WWE ring here. I'll make it like a true tag team. Uh, But that quickly got put down. Apparently, we don't have the budget to build a full-on WWE ring, and nobody wants to see me in spandex, something like that. So um, we're just going to do a a metaphorical tag team. Um, But before we dive into today's message, I just want to take a stop. I just want to stop for a moment, take a breath, and pray. Dear God, We just thank you for this new day, and we thank you for the opportunity to come and just worship you and then to dive into your word, God. I pray that you would open our ears, God, open our hearts to hear the words that you have prepared for us today, God. Um, May may you have your way in service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible and you would like to turn with me, we are going to be going into the book of James. We're just going to start right up at the top at James 1. Um, so I'm going to read James 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, you can follow along with me. James, a, ser- a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. All right, let's jump all the way back to verse one and dive in. 
All right, so James, the brother of Jesus, is writing this. He identifies himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on, he says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Question for you, how many tribes of Israel are there? Good, okay, that wasn't a trick question. All right, there are 12 tribes. So James is writing to all of the tribes. He's writing to all of the church. Um, And this includes us today, right? We are part of the church. We are a tribe, right? We, Summit, are a tribe. And even inside of Summit, we have our own tribes. And that is okay, right? Just take a look around. Who are you sitting next to? Who do you sit next to every week, right? Who do you hang out with and talk with before or after service? Who do you go get lunch with? All of those people are a part of your tribe, And that's an amazing thing to have so many tribes here in church. We all have people that we love to be with. And so it's our job to invite people into our tribe, right? And the the key factor for all of our tribes must be that we all must come together under the banner of Christ, right? So we're all under Christ. This is one of the reasons why we started to put a big focus on praying on, uh, praying for other churches during our offering, right? We may not agree on everything theologically with these other churches, but our core mission, the mission of the church, the Big C Church, is the mission that was given by Jesus Christ in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we, as a tribe, as Summit, and all of our tribes, are to go out and make disciples. And James is talking to us in this passage as we continue on. So James continues on. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Who here has faced a trial? Yeah, okay. I face trials. Uh, what, what, are, what are some of the different trials that, that we face? Go ahead and just shout them out. Finances. Please ignore my handwriting. I'm not trying to do art. I, th- I, was, I thought about like trying to do art and trying to be like Pastor Eric, um, but my art would be stick figures. I, I, I'm more artistic on the drum set and not painting. I can write, it's okay. So we got finances, we got health, mental and physical. What was that, speak up. (laughs) Spelling was not my uh, strong suit. It's okay, again, drummer, musician, not a speller. Um, We got help, we got uh, relationships, can be be a struggle or trial. Spiritual warfare. All right, that's a, that's a good enough list. We all face trials. There are a lot of trials that we face. But what does James tell us to do here? Consider it joy, right? He's not saying 
consider all of your problems. Don't complain about all of your problems. Now, I get it. Trials are not fun. It's not fun to be looking at your bank account and be sitting there and be like, oh, dang, I've only got like 50 bucks left and I have to make it a whole nother week. Like, how am I, how am I gonna do this? That's not fun. How am I supposed to consider that joy when I am facing trials? Well, James continues in verses three and four, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So by me facing financial problems, I am having to rely fully on God and build my faith in God that he will be my provider. So when we take a look at all of these trials, what we can look and see is we see joy, right? You see, because when we recognize the purpose and the results of our trials, we can, vi- we can find joy in the midst of them. The key to that is just in our perspective. We have to get out of that, oh, woe is me, bad things are always happening to me mentality and put our eyes and put our focus on Jesus. Because when we see things through God's lens, our, our, our viewpoint begins to expand and we can see so much more and we can see that God has so much more in store for us than we could ever imagine. So at this point, I'm going to tag in Christian as he continues our message. You know, um, it's super funny to think about uh, how nervous you get when you're speaking. Um, and you're like, oh, Christian, you've done announcements many times. I think it's different when you're uh, actually uh, like sp- speaking God's word. I was telling my housemates uh, and a couple of my friends earlier, they were like, are you nervous? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Um, and the more that I dived into that, I realized that it's not necessarily a fear of public speaking, um, but it's realizing that when we stand up here, we have uh, been entrusted by God to speak to his people. And I think that I don't take that um, responsibility and that trust that God has given me very lightly. Um, Before I start, I want to honor some people. I feel like uh, we have been developing a very healthy culture of honoring people here at Summit. Uh, And so I'm going to ask my family who came for the first time to stand up. My family came from around the cities. My mom, my grandma, my dad, my sister, my little brother, they're all here. Um, And then uh, some of my housemates came too. So my housemates would stand up. They're in the back. I saw them walk in. Can't miss them. Eric and Barnabas. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, it really means a lot that you guys support me and my calling that God has given me. Um, so I get to speak on the second part of James uh, and our text today. So I'm going to pick up at verse 12 through 19. Uh, and I'll just read it out loud. It won't be on the screen or anything. 
Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, if I had two hours to dive into this text, I think that I would begin to scratch the surface of the revelation that God is giving us. But I only have 15 minutes, and I forgot to start my timer, so my time starts now, technically, right? <laughs> um, but if we can do something, can we just take a look at a portion of those verses this morning? Can we do that, church? All right. If you were going to say no, I was going to say, well, too bad, because that's how I prepared my sermon. So, um, The first point I want to talk about is, blessed is the man who endures temptation. And as I was studying this scripture, the word endured, endures kept popping up, and it kept uh, just standing out to me. And I think that oftentimes when we face a trial, when we're faced with uh, something difficult, we tend to try to take matters into our own hands. We quickly begin to think, what can I do to speed the way out of this? What can I do to fix it? Right? And I think that sometimes we try to take matters into our own hands in attempts to alleviate some of the stress, the struggle, the pain, and the things that we're feeling. Um, and in thinking about that, uh, I was brought back to uh, our Sunday print for this month, which was so crazy to me as I was preparing this, how God is orchestrating things in the background, right? Our, our text for our month print is Hebrews 12, 1, and it says, let us run with endurance the race marked out for us, the race that is set before us. And... I wanted to know more about the word endurance. And so I looked it up. The original working Greek is up there because I can't pronounce it, so I just had it put into a slide so that it's easy. Um, I didn't study biblical language, so I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> um, but the meaning of the word endurance means to remain. It means to abide to not move backwards, but to persevere. That's why oftentimes in text we'll see, let us run this race with perseverance, with endurance. That's the same word there. Um, and I believe that so often we take matters into our own hands and attempt to triage the damage. And we do this so quickly that we get distracted. We forget who our eyes are supposed to be fixed on. And I think it's when, in those moments where we, where we take our eyes off of God that we actually start to move backwards. If we keep reading in Hebrews 12.1, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking 
onto Jesus. See, in the text, it's, it's, it's outlined how we are supposed to be running, where we are supposed to have our eyes, where's the goal. Looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The word endured is used in Scripture in Greek 16 times in 17 verses. I had to make sure that I was saying that right. Matthew 10.22 says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. 1 Corinthians 13.7, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. James 5.11 says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. You see, Job had a tough trial. I think one of the toughest trials that we find in Scripture. The guy had everything. He had a beautiful relationship with God. He had a family. He had plenty of cattle. He had land. He had everything he could ever want. And he loses everything. If you haven't, if you haven't read the story of Job or heard it, I highly encourage you to go back and read it. Because we don't have time to read it today, otherwise I would tell you all about it. But in the end of it all, Job lost it all. He ended up with nothing. He had people in his life telling him, curse God, turn back, stop abiding, move backwards. But it's very clear that Job knew better. Job had a relationship with God, and he knew that he would stay true to his word and save him. He knew that because he had God, he didn't need anything else. I think that Job understood what it means to have his eyes locked on God. And I think that that is supposed to be our goal. To have such a relationship with God that our eyes are so locked with him that anything that comes from the left or from the right He's our, he's our source. He is where we're looking. In the end of it all, God ends up blessing Job in abundance. He gets everything and more than he could ever want. We thought that he had it all in the beginning, but God said, no, there's more. Because you endured. Because you persevered. You pushed through that. And you abided and trusted in me. Um, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, okay, that's great. But when we face trials, it's not if we face trials. The text says when we face trials. I think it's natural to know that we're human. We're going to fail. We're not always going to keep our eyes focused on God. I think we're going to fail sometimes, and that's okay. And I think that our natural instincts, our Adam and Eve instincts to run and hide kick in. A lot of the time, especially for us who have grown up in the church, we think, oh, no, I've messed up. I got to hide. I can't show that I've messed up. And I think that's what the enemy wants us to do. I think that's a very guilty and shameful mindset, and I don't think that comes from God. 
at all. I think that um, I look at the passage and I see that the, the title of this, these passages is Loving God Under Trials. And I think that the, West, the, the, West, the best way, whew, when I get nervous, sometimes I, my accent comes out or I misspeak. You, you guys should hear it sometimes. Um, the best way to love God when we're facing something and we fail is to run to him again and again and again and again. You know, um, I think that's one of the best slaps you can give the enemy because he thinks that he has won when he has made you stumble and fall. But what if when you fall, your response isn't to hide, but it is to run to the one who's made you clean. Wouldn't that be something? And I think that when we begin to understand God's grace and how loving and kind he is, there's nothing else that we can do but to endure in him. He's not, he's not an angry God who will punish you. He's a loving father who will welcome you with open arms as many times as you need it. I have five minutes left. I knew that I was going to do this. <laughs> um, my second point that I want to touch on this morning is the point that says temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us, drag us away. Uh, I love that this is one of the verses that I get to speak on because, as Pastor Brandon mentioned, we all face trials. We all face temptations. There's always going to be something that's going to try to take your attention away from God. And I love the word desire in this text, and here's why. Have you ever asked God or have you ever wondered in general why God created us? I think this is a big question. I think it's an important question. Um, out of all of creation, we, mankind, we were the only ones that were made in his image. We were the only ones that had a chance to have a relationship with God from the beginning. Why? Before I share what I think my answer is, and what I feel like God is revealing. Um, I heard a pastor share this once, and I want to take that into and make it my own. Um, everything that I have spoken this morning, don't take my word for it. Um, I would invite you and challenge you to go home, read scripture, and ask God for his revelation to see if it lines up with what he is teaching you. But this is what I feel like God is teaching me and revealing about him through the Holy Spirit and studying the word. So I have a good feeling about what I'm going to share with you this morning. But I just want to preface that by saying, go, go spend time with the Father and see what he reveals to you about that. I think that the reason why God created us was desire. I think that God had a desire to have a relationship with us. And he hoped in creating us that we would desire to have a relationship with him. Thanks, Tracy. <laughs> and as I thought about that, I, 
begin to ask, what is our first desire? What is our first thing? The world is so quick to throw new things, brand new technology, brand new this and that. And it's so quick to become our first desire because we want the newest things. We want the newest trends. We want the best appliances, whatever it may be. And uh, I also looked into the word desire in Greek. It's up on the screen. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. And it means longing. And then this text is used to say a longing for something forbidden. But I think that the word, the meaning desire that we need to have is the desire, um, is the strong feeling of wanting to have something. And I think that that fits perfectly with God's desire for us. He strongly wanted us. And I think that that should be our mindset for him. I feel like we should have a posture and a constant attitude of, I only want you, God. I only want you, Jesus. Because as the text outlines, when we stop having him as our first desire, that's when other desires begin to take the first place and drag us away. We know a couple of things about temptation. Um, and we know that God does not tempt us. And we know that God is um, our way out of temptation. First Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So not only is God with you as you're facing trials and temptations, but he's also making sure that you have a way out. He's also making sure that what is on your shoulders is something you can carry. So I close with this, church. Who are you enduring in? Who is your first desire? To help you apply the truth found in Scripture, we always like to ask three questions. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about yourself? How are you going to apply what the Holy Spirit is speaking through Scripture to your life? We hope that helps bring clarity for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people of Summit Church. Join us in person sometime as we gather as a church on Summit Avenue. Or join us here at our podcast again, or virtually at our online encounter each week. Before you go, though, Pastor Eric is going to give you a special invitation and share just part of his heart for you, the culture, and a little bit about the people of Summit Church. Hey, Pastor Eric Samuel Tim here. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Let me first say, our city of St. Paul is absolutely amazing. I encourage you to explore all the history it has to offer. And you need to know this, Summit Church has been a part of that history, along with so many amazing churches. Speaking specifically about the people of Summit, well, we've been gathering here since about 1932. And my hope that this would not just be a rich history, but it would be our forward legacy. History is a thing of the past, but legacy makes way for the future. 
So where are we going? That's a good question. Our vision is simple, to see all people of St. Paul and beyond living as disciples of Christ, people full of hope, fully known, and actively loving one another, living a spirit-led life. Our mission is also simple, to provide rhythm, location, and opportunity where you can have a life-changing experience with God. Journey within the diversity to do these three things, become disciples of Jesus, to deliver hope, and to champion this city. That is where we are going. That is what we're doing. So where are you going? Maybe that's a good question for you. What are your next steps? I would encourage you to join one of our monthly expeditions. The expedition is a simple experience where you can find out more about who you are in Christ, who Summit Church is, what are we doing around here, and how you can play a part. It's less than a two-hour commitment for your whole month. We also feed you some amazing food and even provide childcare. So the question is, where will we go? Maybe we're on a journey following Jesus together. And I got a hunch, we just might not be us without you. We'll see you at the summit where we prepare for life in the valley.